Hi, I'm Grayson Willis. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Be sure to subscribe for the latest updates and new episodes to this podcast. You can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Catch us each Sunday at 9 and 10.30 on Facebook Live. Also, this Sunday, we'll have an outdoor service at 9 a.m. Hey, thanks for being here. Um, This is a new experience for me, having some people back in the room, but I'm grateful that you're here. Um, Thanks for for tuning in online. Um, I'm excited to share the Word of God with you today. Um, If you are tuning in online, would you let us know who's watching, um, who's with you, where you're at? We want to know um, how to greet you, how to pray for you, um, who's tuning in as part of the family um, here at HFCN. Uh, So like Pastor Adrian just said, uh, we're starting a new series this week, and it's going to continue for three weeks in the book of Romans. And I want to give some background information before we get in there. It's, it's Paul's letter to the Romans, and Paul's main purpose for writing this letter was to communicate the fullness and the foundation of the gospel. When Paul wrote the letter to the Romans, um, he wasn't writing to solve any particular problem uh, like he did many of his other letters uh, because many of the other letters that he wrote were to churches that he had helped plant. And at this point when Paul's writing the letter, he had never actually even visited Rome. That was just a hope that he would one day get there to share, to share in some of the fruit of the gospel. And so he's writing this letter uh, essentially as, as a basic theology, a basic theology to be used um, by those worshiping there. Um, in the known uh, largest, uh, most powerful city in the known world. And so this makes Romans, um, this basic theology that included makes Romans a a very important book for us in the 21st century church today. Also, um, for those of you in a life group, and and there may be some other options to take part in the curriculum, we're going to be studying through the letter of Romans in um, a much deeper way this fall um, in our curriculum, and I'm really excited about how that's coming together. So uh, stay tuned in the coming weeks to look for that that study on Romans that will be unfolded in our life groups. But for the next three weeks, we're going to focus on a critically important text found in Romans chapter 8 the first eight verses, Romans chapter 8, the first eight verses. And and this series that starts today is titled The Hope of Holiness. The Hope of Holiness. And when we hear that word holiness, maybe some of you uh, have heard that word before. Maybe it's new to some of you. But when we say holiness, um, we're referring to this idea that God calls his people to be holy as he is holy. And so we're going to unpack that and what that means in this text it's to be a set apart for God. And so the purpose of this series is to take one passage, Romans chapter 8, the first eight verses, for three weeks. We're going to linger on it. We're going to dig deep into it to gather its full intent so that God, through his word and through the power of his Holy Spirit, might transform us in every way. So that's where we're going, um, and we're going to get into it right now. Romans chapter 8, starting In verse 1, Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 1, it reads this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Condemnation is the payment for sin. It's separation from God. It's spiritual death and damnation. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit 
who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. This is the word of the Lord. And so I've decided to title this message today. I'm titling this message, The Best No. The Best No. And we're going to get there, um, back to that point in just a minute. But I want to jump back up. Starting in verse 1, Paul begins his discourse here in chapter 8. Therefore, therefore what? Therefore means as a result of. And so, therefore, draws in all that has come before in Paul's discourse to the church in Romans. All that has come before in the letter. But for our purpose today, we're going to look just before the therefore was stated. In the original version of the scriptures, what we come to know now as the Bible, there were no chapter or verse markers. Just as you normally wouldn't put chapters or or verses inside of a letter that you've written to someone. The New Testament letters didn't contain them. So while in our modern translations of God's word, we see chapter 7 come to a stop and chapter 8 begin, this is not the original design of the letter. We know that chapter 8 is the continuation of an idea because it begins with the word, therefore, drawing in all that had just come before it. So we can see that beginning of chapter 8 is actually a continuation or a follow-up to what we've read in chapter 7 and some of what proceeds before that. So I want to jump back for a moment into chapter 7, starting in verse 22. Romans 7, 22. I want us to get to this therefore and, and then move on. Paul writes in Romans 7, verse 22, For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched, what a miserable man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? If you've ever asked that question or one like it, then you know about the reality of condemnation. For some Christians, and even, even some within in the sound of my voice, there is no good answer to that question. Who will rescue me from this torment, this, this misery that I feel going on inside of me? You believe that you're stuck with a life of sin and trying harder to live right and keep the commandments trying not to sin, giving your best effort, trying to justify yourself, trying to remove that condemnation. But that's not what Paul's teaching in Romans. That's not what Paul is teaching in the letter to the Romans. That's that's not the fullness of the gospel. God doesn't forgive us and then say, good luck trying to live a better moral life. 
hopefully you figure it out. No, that's not what, he, that's not what he's teaching. And Paul answers his own question in the very next verse. Thanks be to God who delivers me. Who delivers me? Who will deliver me from this body that is subject to death? Who will rescue me? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. And the next thing we read in the letter, Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Look at someone near you and say, none. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you all see that right there, that one verse? That one verse is the essence of Christianity. That one verse is the central foundational message of God to his world. Because we have a rescuer, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. So what does it mean? I want to unpack these two questions um, for the rest of our time. What does it mean that there is now no condemnation? No condemnation? I was condemned? Some of you might be asking. And the second question is, who gets to enjoy this gift, the gift of no condemnation. So the first, what does it mean there is now no condemnation? If we believe, and I believe that this is the central message of God to the world, this is the message of Christianity, that condemnation has been removed when we are in Christ Jesus. If this is the foundational message of God to the world, then we must fully understand why the verdict that Paul declares here of no condemnation for those in Christ is so marvelous. Because that should get us excited every time we hear it. One minister uh, and writer, uh, Dan Flynn, he described our situation and God's action this way. And I, and I want to I wanna run through it with you because it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful picture. And um, it, I, think it paints exactly, I think it paints exactly what we're trying to find out here. He says, as a young man, I thought that the Christian life was primarily about me and, and my efforts. And I can amen that. That got flipped on its head when I saw the true condition of my heart. I began to realize that my efforts weren't that admirable or pure. They were mediocre, underwhelming, and pedestrian at best, which brought me to need a rescue. He continues, now what makes a rescue memorable? What makes a rescue memorable? It's the weight of what was at stake if the rescue attempt failed. This might offend some of you, but a rescue video of a cat being rescued out of a tree is not that memorable. But you know the one on the news story. You know the one on the news story where the car is sinking underwater and someone, someone dives down under and they're swimming and it seems like eternity and no one surfaced. And then after, after forever, both people surfaced, the, the, the diver and the one in the car. And, and you remember that. It sticks in your mind. Because what makes the rescue memorable is what's at stake if the rescue attempt failed. So he continues, to fully appreciate a rescue, one must grasp the depth of danger at hand. 
He says, put another way, it's, it's not a campfire for roasting marshmallows. Rather, the house is ablaze with children trapped on the top floor. Do you feel the weight of it? Years ago, the following thought dropped into my head, taking up permanent residence on my hard drive. My brain, he writes, the good news of the gospel is only great news if the bad news of our danger is absolutely awful. Repeat it a little slower. Let it sink in. The good news of the gospel is only great news if the bad news of our danger is absolutely awful. So let me be clear. He continues, the bad news is far worse than what you're thinking. The Bible says extraordinary things about the current condition of our lives outside of Christ. Let these sink in. Ephesians 2.1, you are dead in your sins. Ephesians 2.3, you are a child of wrath. Romans 6.23, what you earn from sin is death. John 3.16, you will perish without Jesus. And he writes, please let the news, that bad news sink in. Why? Because your all and appreciation for the good news of Jesus is directly connected to your apprehension of your danger. In fact, I love this. Your gratitude for Christ's rescue is precisely proportional to your perception of your peril. Let me say it again. That's a tongue twister. Your gratitude for Christ's rescue, you see our good efforts are trying to remove this condemnation, are trying to find the way, it amounts to nothing. Your gratitude for Christ's rescue is precisely proportional to your perception of your peril. And I love this illustration. So many people see life like a large community swimming pool. A large community swimming pool. There's a deep end to the pool, right? There's a deep end to the pool and a shallow end. And the shallow end is where the small kids hang out. And sometimes the shallow end becomes its own thing, the kiddie pool, right? The shallow end becomes a kiddie pool. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never seen a lifeguard jump into the kiddie pool to save an adult from drowning. He continues, so if I think that I'm in the shallow end of the pool in the kiddie pool, then the promise of a lifeguard rescuing me from danger seems irrelevant or uh, laughable. Why do I need rescued? What am I condemned for? And he says, that's the problem. We think we're in the shallow end and all our good works, all of our efforts, all of our religious activity is floaties around our arms giving us extra buoyancy with God. But the Bible doesn't say we're in the shallow end. It says we're all in the deep end of the pool and we cannot swim. No, no, no. Actually, it's worse than that. It's like we're all alone in the middle of the deepest ocean on the very blackest night in the middle of a raging storm. And we're trying, we're trying to tread water with sharks circling us. And oh yeah, there's blood in the water. We're in danger, which makes the rescue so glorious. Which makes the rescue so glorious. 
You see, the wonderful news that Paul climaxes with in Romans 8.1, this one verse, the wonderful news that he climaxes with in 8.1 is that we are no longer in danger when we are in Christ. When we've been rescued and when we've trusted in the finished work of Jesus, that he became the condemnation that we deserve, there is no danger of condemnation, of damnation anymore. One pastor writes it this way. He condemned sin. Whose sin? My sin. In the flesh. Whose flesh? Christ's flesh. Do you believe this? Therefore, finally, now there is no condemnation. Now that everything has been done that has to be done to absorb the wrath of God. Now, finally, there is no condemnation for those in Christ. So what brings us to the second question, who gets to enjoy this gift? Those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, we can't, we can't get to this, this point of, of celebrating that there's no condemnation until we are in Christ. And this would indicate that there are some, even perhaps in the gathering of believers that are not in Christ, but separated from him. And that puts you in danger of God's wrath, God's condemnation. Because Jesus says in John 3, 36, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. The wrath of God, the condemnation of God is taken away when we are in Christ, but not when we choose to remain outside of him. Therefore, Paul exclaims in 8.1, in Christ there is now no condemnation. Nothing now stands between us. Nothing that you've done in your past, no pain that you've suffered, no heaviness. I, you say, but pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the sins I've committed. You don't know the real that's playing in my mind. If you're in Christ, there is nothing that stands between you and the perfect love of God liberating you, filling you, sanctifying and empowering you to live a new life. But we're found in him only, only when by faith we identify with him in dying to self, dying to sin and being raised to new life with him and continually walking by the power of the spirit day by day and not the impulses of the flesh that bring about the wrath of God. And the reality is that many of you, many of you listening, many of you watching, haven't experienced the reality of no condemnation because you don't trust what the gospel says is true. What it says about our plight outside of Christ or the fullness of your salvation and sanctification when you're in Christ, that there no longer is condemnation. And oftentimes it's too wonderful to fit inside of our finite understanding apart from faith. So, so sadly, many don't fully surrender to its marvelous wonder by faith. And therefore, continue to live in this, in this miserable state that Paul exclaimed, this miserable state of, of trying to love God, but all the while not seeming to find what we're really looking for, freedom. Freedom. And so the bottom line for us tonight 
is that freedom from condemnation is a fact, not merely a feeling for those in Christ. It doesn't matter what you're feeling. If you're in Christ, the fact, the sentence has, 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 been, has been written off. It is not just a feeling. It is a fact, if you are in Christ, that you are free from condemnation. And you can live into that freedom. You can live into that freedom. So when we place our lives in Jesus, our standing with God is, is changed. You see, our, our mission statement here is uh, we believe that God calls us to be transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. And some of us struggle to try to bring hope because we haven't let God finish his transforming work in us. But when we place our life in Jesus, our standing with him is changed. It's transformed from condemned and under wrath to no condemnation because now we're identified with Jesus, the one who took our condemnation upon himself. And you see, this Romans 8, 1, this is the first blessing of the hope that we too can be holy on this side of eternity. Because, because the promise is that those in Christ are free from the power of death. They're fully free from condemnation and a life controlled by sin. This is the very nature of the hope of holiness. And this can become your reality today. This can become your reality today by faith. Turn to Jesus. Call out to him by faith. Don't remain outside of Christ if you find yourself there today. If you haven't experienced the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit in your life, Stop trying and fully trust in him with all that you are. Jesus has already paid it all. There's nothing, there's nothing left for you to do. There's nothing left that you can do but give all of who you are to him. Would you pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you we thank you for your word. We thank you for Romans 8, chapter 1, that we can, we can stake our lives on the fact that when we are in you, we are free from condemnation forever. God, if there's anyone in the sound of my voice, God, that, that is, is not in that place, God, if they found themselves tonight and, and they say, no, I, I don't think I'm in Christ. I think, I'm, I, I think I need rescue, Lord. I pray they would call out to you. Now, knowing that you are, you are closer than their next breath, you desire to bring them in to the safe harbor, to free them from condemnation and empower them to live a life that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at for any questions about our church. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.